What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? If you had all the money, all the time, all the knowledge, all the resources that you needed? What would you do with your life if you simply knew that anything was possible for you? My name is Christina Carlson, founder of Global Swedish Design and stationery brand Kiki K, and author of the book Your Dream Life Starts Here. And I love exploring these sorts of questions to inspire people to dream. Before I started Kiki K, I had a dream that I could bring Swedish design to the world to create beautiful products that bring sparks of joy into the everyday lives of millions. Now that I have achieved that dream, I want to help you dream big. I want to create a global movement to inspire 101 million dreamers to transform their lives and transform the world in return. Each episode, I'll be talking to some of the world's most inspiring people, exploring the powerful impact that dreaming has had on their lives. We'll be diving deep into the power of dreaming with real insights and ideas that you can use immediately to build a dream life of your own, whatever that means for you. This episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with the super inspiring Dr. Hazel Wallace, founder of the incredible food medic website, podcast, blog, and best-selling books. Hazel is not only a best-selling author, content creator, award-winning blogger, Instagram star, personal trainer, and influencer. She's also a qualified practicing medical doctor who is amazingly just about to finish her third university degree. Passionate about maximizing health through how we live our lives and how we view food, physical activity, sleep, stress management, and our social connections, Hazel is on a mission to educate, inspire, and to help everyone achieve their best life, their healthiest life. Hazel's passion for medicine and health began after sadly losing her father to a stroke when she was just 14. This pivotal event changed the way she viewed the world and sparked a true passion in her for helping people. Back in 2012, Hazel created the Food Medic blog while studying medicine to help educate and inspire herself to become a healthier and stronger person. However, it wasn't long before she noticed a gap in the curriculum for nutrition and other areas of lifestyle. And this is where her quest to bridge the gap between traditional medical advice, nutrition, and other areas of preventative lifestyle began. Hazel's story is a wonderful example of how it's possible to create something positive out of difficult times. Driven by her passion for helping people live their dream lives through better health, she has found her purpose and continues to educate us all. In this wonderfully refreshing episode, you'll discover how sometimes it's the most challenging times in your life that will lead you to discover your passion and change things for the positive. How no matter how many times you fail, nothing is final and everything is possible. How by making a few simple food and lifestyle changes, you can set yourself on a healthier path to living your best life. How no matter what your dreams or goals are, if you believe in them enough and work hard, you can truly make them happen. And so much more. I had so much fun talking to Hazel. You are going to get so much out of this episode. So let's get right into it. 
So Hazel, a very, very warm welcome. I woke up in London this morning and I wasn't really sure where I was for two seconds or so. And then I realized that I was going to have a recording with you and I'm super, super grateful and so excited because what I, what you do is absolutely amazing. And I cannot wait for our listeners to hear your story. I know your life change of the year of 14 and I love to chat about that. But first, I'd love to start with what you dreamt about being a child or doing when you were a child. First of all, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited. So I think I've always been pretty ambitious. I, When I was really little, I remember doing extra homework and it was maths in particular because someone told me that um, if you're really good at maths, you can become an astronaut. And oh, wow. <laughs> my, belief, my dream was to become an astronaut. So I don't know if that was just a little white lie that my parents told me to do well at school. But that was, I guess, my first dream that I can remember. Yeah, how beautiful. And yeah, is that still on your dreams? Because obviously now it's, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's probably more likely to happen. Yeah, I know. You don't have to be an astronaut. You can go with Richard Branson to uh, one of the planets that he's working on. Yeah, absolutely. It's still definitely a dream. Yeah. It's on my to-do list. Oh, wonderful, <laughs> wonderful. So I've given our listeners an introduction to you, but I'd love for you to quickly share your story with us. Where did you come from and how did you get where you are today? Sure. So I grew up in Ireland in a place just north of Dublin called Dundalk, which is beside the sea. And then when I was 18 years of age, I moved to Wales and um, to the Welsh Valleys to do my first degree in medical sciences. And I stayed in Wales and did my second degree, which was medicine. And then when I qualified as a doctor, I moved to London. So that was, you know, a 10 year period. So now I'm working in central London as a doctor but I've also gone back to do my third degree, so master's in clinical nutrition and public health. But along that journey, and this is really kind of where my, my passion, I guess, was sown, was I realized at medical school that we weren't really talking about nutrition and lifestyle when it came to health. And I found this really bizarre because when I was 14, I lost my dad to a stroke. And although there's lots of reasons why people have strokes, there's a huge lifestyle component, diet and exercise and stress. I guess when I was going to medical school, that was always in the back of my head. You know, it's really important that we talk about these things in addition to talking about pills and surgery and all of those other things. But we didn't. We had like, you know, a couple of hours on nutrition, no lectures on physical activity, no, no lectures on stress and one lecture on sleep. Wow. So I was like, I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to blog about it. And I'm going to share what the science says because no one else is. So I started my blog, The Food Medic. This was six years ago now. And every day after lectures, I'd come back and I'd write up about you know, I'd read a paper and then I'd try to still it into a blog post and make it really, really easy for people to understand, but also give them actionable steps onto how they can use it in their lives. And in my final year of university, I was approached to write a book and I said yes. And I wrote it alongside doing my medical finals. Which I find amazing <laughs> considering I've just written a book myself and I, I actually... Um, drawn some conclusions that uh, writing a book is like studying you never feel like you quite have done enough like there's always more you could potentially do so yeah. doing doing two things like that is very amazing on you <laughs> it was ambitious but we got there and I was I was so incredibly excited to be able to do this because mm. no one no other doctors had been talking about it then and that went out and was you know 
went to the top of the charts on the first day and was a number one bestseller in the wow. UK and Ireland. So that was great for me. And then the year after, I wrote my second book. Since then, I've just been working on basically making the food medic a bit more, instead of just me, we, and kind of building an organization where we share evidence-based advice on how people can live healthier lives. So the key there is that it's evidence-based. It's not just, you know, we're not just self-proclaimed gurus. We are scientists and doctors. And I guess how we do things differently is that it's very holistic and we understand that our lifestyle has a huge part to play because when we take a step back and look at the statistics across the world, 70% of the diseases that we die from, and not just in the developed world, but in developing countries as well, are non-communicable diseases. So we can't catch them. They're not infectious. Mm. And there's a huge lifestyle component there. So we, we can prevent them. There's an element of prevention. And it blows my mind to think that we're not focusing on that. Mm. Um, and that in all fairness, I you know, healthcare systems around the world are starting to really open up their eyes to this now. And they're saying, hey, we need to start looking at diet. We need to start looking at physical activity, sleep, stress management and other things. You know, it's it's not just pills and surgery anymore. You know, we, we have a very fast paced lifestyle that doesn't lend itself to health. Mm. I love that. I love that you as a doctor, because there's obviously a lot of people who are working on this movement in terms of, you know, eating well, sleeping and all that stuff. But having actually a doctor doing it, it's not as common. So it's really amazing that you're doing that. So thank you for sharing that <laughs> with the world. And it's funny when I am, um, well, it's not so funny, but when my little brother was sick in cancer, I used to go to his hospital and with all like, you know, greens and things. This is a long time ago. So, you know, this is probably 20 years ago now. So it was a little bit unheard of then. But I was like, let's add, you know, I understand that they have to do all the things that I had to do, but let's add some greens and vitamins. And I think they thought I was a bit mad and my little brother was one of them for sure. (laughs) So your dad's sad passing obviously had a big impact on what you're doing today and your purpose in life. If that didn't happen, where would you think you'd be now? So before my dad passed away, I thought I was going to be an accountant. So that was his job. And he had a business. And out of all my siblings, I was, like I said earlier, the one that was good at math. So it was kind of naturally, Hazel will go on and and do business. So all of my subjects in school were business focused and, and mathematics. And after he died, I think something changed inside of me. And I was like, I need to be a doctor and I changed all my subjects I got and there was a part where you know a period in my life where I felt a little bit guilty that I wasn't going to do what he hoped for me to do Mm -hmm. and I'm sure he's very proud that I've Mm -hmm. gone on and done what I've done but I just it changed my life experiencing that and I became fascinated with health and the human body so yeah I changed my subjects quite late and I actually didn't get the grades that I wanted to get in my final exams at secondary school and I didn't get into medicine first time round. so that's why I kind of had to move country and do an undergraduate and then do a postgraduate degree but I'm really like I'm not ashamed to say that and I and any talk I do, I tell people that, you know, that failure is not final. And mm-hmm. if I didn't do it that way, I wouldn't have developed the food medic. So I think everything happens for a reason. And I, you know, I'm not saying that my dad passing was ever a blessing, but I definitely believe that some higher power has put me on this path mm-hmm. and it has to be him 
So I'm grateful to be where I am today. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's there is always a positive and a negative, and there's always a negative and a positive, and mm. there's always uh, something beautiful about everything. So, what advice would you give to our listeners who ha- who are searching for their purpose in life? Because I think not everyone have a, a traumatic thing that happens to life and you know even one of my friends said you know my life is so happy I actually don't know what to do so what would your advice be to find your purpose have you have you thought of that for other people I would say that you you're not in a rush and you're not in a hurry so like I said I've gone back to university for my third time I'm you know I already have a very good job and I don't necessarily need to do this but what I realized is like there is time. There's time to change your mind. If you're doing something that you don't love, you can change your mind. And no one no one cares if you change your mind. And I think we worry too much about what other people think. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely been that person where, especially when I first started my blog, I was so worried about what my peers thought because I was doing something differently. And I remember someone saying to me, oh, how does it make you feel to be the black sheep amongst the other doctors because you do things so differently? And I was like a little bit offended. And I spoke to my consultant, who's the senior doctor in the hospital. And she was like, Hazel, like embrace being a black sheep. Like, it's so great that you do that. Not many people are brave enough to follow their dreams. Mm. And now I just own that title and I own being different. And I guess my advice to people would be, nothing's too big and nothing's unachievable you can put your mind to it you can achieve it Mm. and don't worry about what other people think yeah (laughs) I love I love that we have Dr Tara Trent who was one of our previous podcast guests uh, were the first one and she's also the one we're giving a dollar for each book sold and she talks about finding your purpose on what breaks your heart so it's very similar to you in terms of you you know you're obviously brokenhearted with your Mm. dad's passing and finding um, things to do in your life that breaks your heart could be one part of that so that's really feels like similar and also we are referencing in the book uh, Bronnie Ware and she's an Australian palliative caretaker and she interviewed people who was passing away and about their regrets Mm. and the most common regret was that people wished they lived a life true to themselves Mm. and I um, I love hearing what you're saying because um, so many people realize that too late so not you know living a life true to themselves versus versus you know following the path because it would have been easier for you to follow the traditional path as a doctor and not having to go mainstream you know going against other other doctors etc yeah Yeah. do you feel like you're getting a lot of criticism from doctors themselves or is it others or I think initially you know like especially when I first started out because it wasn't really talked about then and there was definitely like a lot of pushback yeah and times where I thought oh maybe I am doing the wrong thing and I should stop and something inside of me just kept that fire burning and I just kept going kept my head down And now I'm, you know, like I hosted my first conference under the food medic on the weekend. And I'd say like 50% of people there were doctors Mm. and GPs and people, doctors interested and also frustrated by the system because they understand that pills can't fix everything. And sometimes we don't need pills. And why aren't we addressing the basic fundamental factors in people's lives before putting them under unnecessary medical intervention. And like, I say this all the time, when I work in A&E and things like that, like, yes, pills and surgery are my bread and butter and that's so important. But for most of us, for a majority of us, there's so many things that we can address in our life so that we don't have to get to that point. So we don't have to go to A&E, so we don't have to have surgery. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, I always question when people are taking medicine just to really, do you really need it and have you changed your lifestyle? Like the, the cause of it first. Mm. So love hearing that from you. So it seems to me you're really pioneering a movement, which is so exciting, to wake up people to the medical benefits of exercise. And I love a good quote, as you probably know, and I love this by Dr. Robert Butler, who, Butler, mm. who I know you have referenced in the past as well. If exercise could be purchased in a pill, it will be the most single, widely prescribed and beneficial medicine in the nation. That makes so much sense. But how do the average person take on the me- this message and act in terms of exercise? I think, yeah, I absolutely love that quote. And I, it, I say it to every kind of medical student group and, and group of doctors that I ever speak to, because it's something that we always forget about. Yeah. And I think people look at exercise, and this is a societal problem, as just a weight loss method, yeah. when actually there's so many other benefits. And weight loss, I would argue, should be at the bottom of the list, because the benefits are just like, you know, I can't even count them on both my hands. And my TED talk, I spoke about all the different kind of physical benefits you can get from like reducing your risk of breast cancer, colon cancer, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, but also things like mental health disorders and Alzheimer's disease and depression. And like, they're just a couple of the things, but you know, there's about like 30 diseases that we can link poor physical activity levels to. And then there's the immediate benefits that you get, like you get enhanced performance in the morning after you've trained, which they've um, researched in school kids. So they've got them to exercise before they've started classes and found that they actually do better. And you also are just like, you're more stimulated, you're more alert, you're more awake, you do better in the day. And you also have that buzz of endorphins. So there's short-term benefits to exercise and there's long-term benefits to exercise. And actually, you don't have to do a whole lot to get the benefits. So even 15 minutes of exercise a day, moderate exercise, where you're just getting your heart rate up, can reduce your risk of disease and all-cause mortality um, quite significantly. So my message to people is don't get bogged down on, you know, doing an hour in the gym every day or doing 150 minutes or whatever the government guidelines are telling you to do wherever you live. Just move every day whether that's 15 minutes, whether it's getting off the tube a little bit earlier and, you know, power walking to your meeting, whether it's instead of sitting down for your for a coffee with your friend, grabbing the coffee to go and going for a walk together, doing your meetings, like, you know, take it for a walk, commuting to work on a bike or, or walking, you know, and buddying up and getting your friends involved. You know, there's ways of doing it. There's no right or wrong way of exercising. And there's lots of different ways that you can move your body. It doesn't have to be in the gym. It doesn't have to be running. It could be dancing. It could be tennis. It's whatever moves you. Yeah, I love that. You know, in, I talk about it in the book about how important it is to surround yourself with the right people. And I have a friend, her name is Rebecca. And every time she comes here to London, she lives in Melbourne, she books a, a PT when she arrives here. And I'm always inspired by that. Yeah. And sometimes you just have to ask some friends who are really doing that to be inspired by them. Yeah, sometimes you need that little nudge. And one of the most amazing stats, which I always remember is, so the number needed to treat, so the amount of people that you need to give this advice to, so tell them to get physically active, and the amount of people that will take that advice on board is one in 12. 
Compare that to the amount of people that you advise to stop smoking who will actually take that on board and that's one in 100 to one mm. in 150. Yeah. So we as doctors have more of a chance getting people physically active than we do getting them to stop smoking. And we know how successful the kind of smoking cessation movement has been. So why can't we extend that to getting people active? And this is what I say to all doctors, write it down in your prescription pad. Like there's nothing stopping you from doing that. No, <laughs> I love that. Love that. Thank you. So one of the things that I love is rituals. I've heard you talk about keeping a journal being useful to help people to be accountable around exercise and moving. And I'd love to know, do you keep a journal? And have you found something powerful in the physical act of writing things on paper? Yeah, I do. I've always kept a journal and a paper journal. So now I think it's it's quite important for me to have my diary on my phone so that I know where I'm going. But I also find it's really therapeutic for me to have a handwritten journal, not only for diarising things, but also like writing down my thoughts. And when I was studying for my exams before, I remember reading somewhere in the research that actually people are more likely to remember the things that they've handwritten as mm. opposed to typed. And I thought, well, I'm always going to handwrite my notes now. And yeah. I've carried that through and I love scribbling. I always have like different colored markers in my in my bag so that I can like annotate my notes and just really let my my mind wander. And I think as someone who's quite busy and juggling a number of things it's really important for me to brain dump and just literally scribble everything down so before I go to bed I'll have a brain dump and before I start my day I will write down all of the things I'm doing that day to just focus my thinking I will just number it like this is what you're doing and I split that up into work and my personal life and I always schedule in something that is a form of self-care and that could be taking myself for a coffee, it could be having a bubble bath, it could be booking a facial. But every day I'll do something, even if it's for five minutes, for me. And that's something I started doing last year. And I think it's really helped with my stress levels. It's something I tell people to do. Like, I never thought I'd prescribe self-care. It's a bit woo, but it works. And it's important that we look after ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people actually ask me and a lot of doctors ask me because obviously there's a big increase in burnout. And mm. I often have the question, how did you not burn out considering what we have created with Kiki K? It's been a, a lot of work and we've gone global. And and I always come back to other, I actually think it's the journaling that really helped me. And of course, there's lots of different factors in that. But the one thing that I really, really feel that made all the difference was to dump in the morning. So I did what I call the morning pages. It's um, it's based on a book um, for creativity, but I used it as my, almost like my therapy in the morning yeah. where I just, I write three unconscious pages where I just write whatever comes to mind. And sometimes it's about, you know, an issue that I'm, you're having or, a, or a, a problem that I need to work out or sometimes it's just about you know the the business of life and trying to work out how I'm going to cope with everything and just dump it on on them on a, a journal and it's it's something that I actually don't keep the three pages that I do first thing in the morning I never keep because I wanted to get it almost like a therapy mm. out of my body and out of my mind and then if I know that I'm going to read it later I might censor it a bit more so I am um, just write whatever comes to mind and I throw it. Get away, but then I also yeah. journal normal things like you do with thoughts and ideas and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, um, the, yeah so um, interesting what a journal can do, hey? I know. <laughs>
So tell me about the productivity benefits of exercise. How can it help people living busy lives to chase their dreams? So as we spoke about, exercise has like immediate benefits and then long-term benefits. So in terms of long-term benefits, it can change the actual like structure and neurochemistry of your brain. So it's our brains are very plastic in that they can change. And by exercising, you can actually improve your brain health and reduce its age, which I think is really powerful. And we don't really fully understand it. So yes, you know, doing crosswords and stuff like that's important, but actually exercising is equally as important mm-hmm. because you need to have the blood pumping around your brain, delivering it with oxygen and all of the nutrients that it needs to thrive. In the immediate kind of strictly after exercise, the benefits that you get then, one of the things people always talk about is endorphins and the feel-good hormones. The exact mechanisms, we're not quite sure, but we know that people have enhanced productivity up to two hours after they exercise. And actually, I think it is something that they're going to start rolling out in schools where they get kids to exercise first thing in the morning. I think Mm -hmm. it's great. I think it's something that should be rolled out at workplaces where they encourage staff to do a class or do some form of activity before they start. And also there's the the stress-relieving benefits of exercise. So it can massively reduce your stress and help you deal with anxiety. So if you are coming up against an obstacle in work or you're unsure about chasing your dream, it can be the best thing for you to clear your mind and put you in, almost reset your mind and put you on a new page and help address those factors. I know if I have had an incredibly busy day or stressful day at the hospital and I exercise at the end of the day, it almost helps me wash the day off Mm me and start fresh because you've done that for you as well so there's it's an element of self-care yeah absolutely and I always feel like that you never ever regret a walk or a, you know taking that time for yourself no. and especially I find that walking is so good because you can you can do a few things at the same time like listening to podcasts or talk with a friend or whatever so yeah I, yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. and you know if you are going through a really stressful time and you feel like you're your heart's in your chest or you're very anxious then in those times just do something that's like lower impact like you said going for a walk in nature go to yoga or bring a friend and do something together because you don't have to be getting super sweaty and killing yourself to get the benefits of exercise yeah yeah love that thank you So to many people who know you and look at your life from the outside it looks like you're living your dream life now and you, because you're doing something you love, you're doing your, you're doing your third degree, you know, writing su- successful books, uh, lots of followers on social platforms, etc. So no life is perfect in my view. But to what degree do you feel like you're living your dream life now? And what is it that you just love about your life? I definitely think that I am living my dream life in that I've been able to shape a career that hasn't been shaped before. This career path is not not been done before and I just thought well why not like why can't I do it this way so I've managed to find this sweet spot where I almost straddle the field of nutrition and also medicine and I'm able to both practice medicine in a clinical environment but also for the masses through social media which is a very new thing not many doctors use it in that way but why not? You know, that's where people consume their content. So we should be using it as a way to reach people. 
And it's also given me a flexibility in my life that I never had before. At the moment, now that I'm back studying, I definitely have lost a lot of free time. You know, every day is incredibly busy and there's not many holidays in there. But at the moment, I'm okay to hustle a little bit harder because I know that the end goal is, I guess, the biggest dream of all. And I think I'm a little bit apprehensive to say I'm living my dream life because there's so many dreams that I'm yet to accomplish. So, yeah, even though when people say, wow, you've you've got it all or like, why do you need to do more? It's well, I've so much more I want to achieve and I've got so much left in me to to do. But I also want to enjoy the process. I think if you're not enjoying the journey, then there's no point. Yeah, absolutely. And I really do believe that dream life is it's a it's a process, and it's not really about I have arrived and I I'm done. I feel exactly the same. There's always yeah. more things you want to do, and that's why 101 Dreams is a great exercise to do yearly. Because as you evolve as a person, you always have um, new dreams, and sometimes you change directions and come up with new dreams as well. Yeah, and when we did that workshop together, writing down our dreams and you said like just write as many as you can I was so shocked at how many I had in me just in that moment in those five minutes I mean I filled two pages and I was just writing and it's I think I urge anyone to just try that because if you ask me now I'd be like oh I'm not really sure nothing's coming to my mind but once you put a pen to paper Mm. and you're just left to your to your thoughts it's so easy to just spill out all your dreams on a page yeah absolutely and I love that, but I think that's what makes it so powerful with dreaming because, versus goal setting because dreams is you can do as many as you like and you don't have to make them all come true straight away and it's kind of free and it, there's no restriction, especially if you ask yourself those questions, if I couldn't fail, what would I do? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that. So your latest book, The Food Medic for Life, can you tell us a little bit about it and what are the key messages and how do you hope it will help people? So The Food Medic for Life was kind of like an extension from my first book and I guess the main or the core values the main message behind the food medic is food can be medicine and food can like help you stay healthy and that message was carried through to the second book but what I wanted to do and the reason life is in there is that no life is perfect and no life is balanced and I realized that working as a doctor you know when I was try eating my lunch on the tube at 6 p.m. because I hadn't had time to sit down all day or you know coming home and eating dinner really late at night and I thought you know what like it's all well and good opening up a recipe book and having these gorgeous recipes but if they take hours if they're expensive if I can't take them to work with me then they're useless in my everyday life so I decided to split the book up into fuel up and power down and the fuel up section is for those incredibly busy weeks where you are on the go so it's like breakfast options that you can grab and go lunches that you can take with you to work and dinners that are in less than 30 minutes and that is just kind of to help people stay well and stay nourished but also absolutely delicious of course and then the the power down section is for those weekends and those weeks where you actually do have more time and you can really relax in the kitchen maybe bake a little bit make family dinners and they're I guess a bit more indulgent in terms of time and taste but there's a huge component of of food that we've often forgotten that's like not just what's in the food but how we eat food how we prepare food there's a huge mindful element to that Mm. and we know that there's a huge benefit if you are more mindful when you cook when you eat 
and when you sit down and eat your food as a family. So I'm really passionate and encouraging people to do that when they can. But I also recognize that there's times that you just simply have to have your lunchbox on the go. <laughs> yeah. And I think that was just me being really honest with myself, but being really honest with everyone else and saying, hey, it's okay if you don't have three hours every night to make a roast chicken dinner, it's fine. And yeah, I've had such great feedback because lots of people have said like this work, this book has helped me stay well and fed at work, which is what I want to hear. <laughs> mm, yeah, beautiful. I love it. I'm a bit of a cookbook lover. So yeah. um, on the weekends, it's my indulgent morning thing to have a cup of tea and look at all these beautiful cookbooks. And I was actually looking at yours on the weekend and really love it. So what's your favorite recipe in the book? Have you got one? Or um, one that really could help our listeners? Sometimes I think because we have all the information, there's a million cookbooks out there, but sometimes we uh, almost need someone to say, hey, try this first and then you get going. You know, sometimes you just need some inspiration. So what if you could choose one out of your cookbooks, what would you do? When I am thinking of a really quick recipe and I get home late at night, I have a lovely chickpea curry because it's a really basic recipe in that there's not lots of ingredients. And that's the common theme throughout all of my recipes. The ingredient list is really short and all of the ingredients you can find in any supermarket because I don't want to leave anyone out. Yeah. And not everyone loves cooking, no. <laughs> which I find really hard to believe because I love cooking, but it's true. So I want people to spend as little time in the kitchen as they need to, but also to get a really lovely end result. So this chickpea curry has carrots in it, yellow peppers, um, turmeric. It's brilliantly yellow and that's because of all the vegetables and the pulses in there which have multiple health benefits so i call it my sunshine curry for that reason because it's like a, a hug in a, in a bowl it's, it tastes good but it's also like really nutrient dense mm. so that's a really easy recipe to start out with but if you've got more time on the weekend i've taken a lot of inspiration from ireland from where i grew up and there's a type of bread called a potato farl so mm. it's like a potato bread made with potato and flour which my nanny used to make my grandmother when I was very little and you'd have it toasted with butter and I decided to make a sweet potato version of it which yeah. <laughs> I don't know if she would have approved of but I hope she would have and we had it on set as well when we we're shooting for the book and most people had never had it before and they were like this is incredible so basically it's a bread made from sweet potato and it's gorgeous it's lovely for breakfast for lunch with soup or even as a supper so I tell everyone to go to that recipe because it is actually quite easy oh. to make as well. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm going to put, that, <laughs> on my, have put that on my little, in my journal to make sure I do not miss that. That's like, that sounds delicious. Yeah. So what are the top five foods, as we're talking about food, that we should all eat to get the nutrition we need, if you could choose five? Choosing five is really difficult. You can so, do one. Yeah, it's just <laughs> meant to make it easy, but you can do whatever. <laughs> I would say... I'm a big fan of flaxseed and chia seed. So they are basically really good sources of, of essential fatty acids, omega-3, which is difficult to get in the plant world. So you can get it in oily fish, but it's difficult to get um, from, from plants. And a lot of people are moving towards a plant-based diet now. So it's really important that we get all of the nutrients we need. So, but in addition to omega-3, it's like full of fiber as well. And 
chia seeds as well also have lots of amino acids. It's a really great food. You can have it in porridge, you can have it in overnight oats, sprinkle it in your smoothie. A tablespoon a day is all you need. So I would say that would be number one. Number two would be a good olive oil. Olive oil is, I guess, the core ingredient that we see in the Mediterranean diet. The Mediterranean diet is one of the most backed up diets in the world. It's not really a diet, which is why I like it. I don't like the word, word diet, yeah. but it's more of a, a set of principles, lots of fruit and vegetables, oily um, nuts and seeds and, and olive oil and oily fish, but also the whole element of, of how the Mediterranean people eat. So they sit around the table, they have a glass of wine, they, they very much are mindful and they're very respectful of food, yeah. which I think is really important. So olive oil is great from a nutrient point of view, but also it adds flavor to so many different things, to uh, the basis of, of salad dressings, but also making pastas and lots of other things. So it's really important, a really gorgeous oil to have in your house and definitely invest in a good one as well for taste. So flaxseed oil. The next I would say is porridge oats, which is a really, really basic ingredient and something you can find all over the world. And I don't know if this is because I was raised on porridge and I have this, I don't know, connection to porridge, but I was speaking about it this morning on my Instagram. And actually it's one of, it's got a really interesting property in that it's got beta-glucan, which is a type of fiber. And that's been clinically proven and backed up that it can reduce your cholesterol. So three grams of beta-glucan a day, which is probably like a bowl of porridge and another oat-based product like oat cakes or something in a day can can reduce your cholesterol so it's magnificent it's cheap it's versatile in my book I give you like 10 different recipes using oats from you know just breakfast to using it as a coating for fish or chicken or tofu if you're veggie but also in falafel using it in baking as flour so it's a very versatile ingredient mm -hmm. and again it's accessible I think fourthly I would say something like lentils lentils are a pulse which we find across the world they're super high in protein so again if you're plant-based wonderful and they're really high in fiber and you can use them in like a type of falafel and a burger and a dal and a curry and a stew the list goes on yeah. so I love them and when you really cook them in a stock for a long time they're just gorgeous and then finally I think I need to put a vegetable in there but I'm just going to say like what I say to people is when it comes to having a healthy diet, having variety is key. So each week, pick a veg of the week. Even if you don't know how to cook the vegetable, you've never heard of it before, YouTube it, you will find it. But here in the UK and across the world, we tend to stick to the same types of vegetables and plant-based foods. And that's negatively affecting our gut microbiome. So our gut bugs love variety. They love getting different nutrients from different vegetables and the more color, the better. So every week swapping, you know, a vegetable of the week. At the moment, I'm loving cauliflower. It's super high in fiber. It's got lots of other nutrients, but it's also gorgeous when it's roasted with a little bit of uh, cumin and turmeric and yeah. Mm, delicious. Love that. Love that. <laughs> That's a really good tip because I think we are creatures of habits that we tend we, to eat yeah. the same thing. And, you know, when I do my ordering, for veggies, it tend to be the same thing. So that's a really good tip. Yeah, so thank you have for a that. Of the week. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks. So I'd like to ask some questions about dreaming, being very passionate about dreaming. There's no wrong or right answer to this, of course. Just speak whatever truth comes from your heart. What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? 
Oh, it's such a hard question. <laughs> I, I think you're already doing it. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think if I knew I couldn't fail and I had no limits and all the money in the world, I would love to grow the food medic to a bigger foundation because I want to reach more people. And it's the beauty of social media is that I've been able to reach you know, someone said to me, Hazel, you've got almost 300,000 people following you on Instagram. That's, that's almost like your clinic. They're all your patients. And I was like, wow, that's, that's true. But I'm so grateful that I can reach all those people. Mm -hmm. And what I'd love to do is create clinics in the future, food medic clinics or cafes, wellness centers, whatever you want to call it, where I can integrate all of those specialties of medicine, nutrition, and physical activity. I'm also a personal trainer, which I didn't mention, but it's integrating all of those core values of mine and what I really believe encompass health. And yeah, that would be that's my biggest goal. But also outside of business, I've got my own personal goals. Like I want to travel to every corner of the of the planet and any opportunity I get, any gap in my diary, I'm on a plane and I travel by myself a lot. I think it's really important to do that and to do some soul searching. So last year after I finished my last book, I went to Vietnam backpacking for four weeks. I was terrified, but I loved it. And I that was when I dreamt up a lot of my vision for this next year. And it was there I decided to go back to school. Why not? Um, so I guess they're my main things. Um, How amazing. Sure and, you know, the, the solitude thing. I think yeah, a lot of people are afraid about that, you yeah. know, afraid of, of traveling on their own or are not taking that time because, you know, how we're so connected to the world that often now when you're bored or, or have an opportunity to be alone, the phone is there in your hand. And, you know, we're all guilty of that. So I'm not saying yeah. I'm perfect, but it's having that solitude, I think, is so important. And traveling on my own, I, lo- I mean, I obviously love to have the family as much as I can with me. But there's so much benefits of traveling on your own. You have some space and think and you, you have, you know, that's when you're dreaming really yeah. are beneficial because you come up with things that you might not have thought of. Yeah, I think it's it's really important that people just hang out with themselves sometimes. Yeah. And I get like a lot of women who come to me and they're like, how are you okay to like go out for dinner by yourself? And what do you do like for that part? And don't you get lonely? I'm like, no, because I read all my books. I journal loads. Mm-hmm. I just use that time to like really dig deep and I come back so well rested and ready for the world and you know it doesn't mean that you have to book a five-star hotel anywhere you can go anywhere you just need to escape for a couple of days and it's really important regardless if you've got a husband or a family to just take that time for you yeah absolutely you know I uh, went away with my journal so just one journal and a pen and no phone and no books which is sort of a hard (gasps) one for me because I love reading (laughs) and that's when I came up with the structure of the book and I didn't even when I went there I didn't even first I didn't want to go because I wanted to be with the family because I travel but I thought it was so important to to have some time to really think and that's why I came up um with a book and so you never know but sometimes we just don't take the time to actually be alone and actually let those thoughts come because they don't come the first hour no. you need to you need to do a few hours to um, and that's often when you all of a sudden grab the phone because you're bored so yeah. I love hearing that and you don't I don't think you pay attention to those cues as well as, or those thoughts and it's it's easy to put yourself at the bottom of your priority list when you're really busy so sometimes you just have to take yourself into a new environment and say hey I'm going out of the office for two days and just 
dream. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. When uh, we tend to, in our Kiki K office, we tend to do different challenges. In May has always been um, kind of the wellness month for us, where we do try some new things, maybe look, look at new habits. And, mm. and one of um, our guys, Mark, who works in our office, he decided to commute for a month without having his phone on and just to really look at, you know, all the things that you pass yeah. every day and things like that is just so valuable and hopefully lots that, of time yeah. for dreaming instead of being connected with other people all the time. 100%. I mean, it's scary on the tube, like how everyone's mm. on their phone. I've purposely decided not to connect my Wi-Fi on my phone to the tube Wi-Fi. So I never have access. I'm always offline on the yeah. tube. And I'm always have my head in a book because it's the only time I've got that time to read and be by myself and it's 35 minute commute every morning and I get to like lose myself in a book yeah. and before all the craziness happens yeah. and I say it to everyone I'm like don't connect to your wi-fi <laughs> just yeah. don't yeah and also I think yeah, so many people always ask me how do I get to how do I have time to read so much and it's really is the choice between the book and the phone because you have so much time in you know between airports for me traveling so much like it's so easy to grab the phone but trying to mm. um to really read is, is, it's but it's a, it's a choice as well yeah, yeah, yeah. of course so none of us really know how long we will live. One of the most profound exercises in my book and the exercise I do every year prompt readers to contemplate what would they do if they knew they were going to die in three years from now. It's a confronting exercise for a lot of people, but it's one that I really feel like makes a big difference. So my question for you is, if you knew you, you were going to die in three years from now and that you would live a perfect health until then, what would you do with your remaining years? What would you start doing, stop doing? And what would be the theme of those three years? Oh, wow, that's such a big question. <laughs> Putting you uh, on the spot here. Yeah. I think um, coming back to the travel, I would take every opportunity that I could to travel. Yeah. When, I mean, in my professional life, I witnessed death quite a lot. Mm. And it's not easy. But I've learned a lot from my patients who have passed away and who have had really terrible diagnoses and I remember this time last year one of my patients said to me and this was it was before Halloween because she was talking about Christmas and I said don't you think it's a bit early to start talking about Christmas and she said love life's too short not to talk about Christmas early mm. and it really resonated with me and I was like that's so true we should be celebrating every day mm. you know so I think I would take every opportunity I could to travel and I would take my mum with me because I we, I guess, live in a different generation than than she did. And I know that she looks at me and she says to me all the time, you know, you just don't realise how lucky you are, like to live in London and to be able to travel and do all of these things. And I would love to bring her with me to see the world. Mm -hmm. And I try to do do that as much as possible. So in December, we're going to Mexico together for Christmas, which is exciting. Oh, how nice. Yeah. And in terms of the, the food medic and the legacy, I wouldn't, build it up to a point where I know that it is scalable, that we can roll it out in every country, that we can introduce it into medical schools so that every medical student across the world has a training in nutrition, at least a basic training in nutrition, and asks every patient that they see moving forward, mm. how are they sleeping? What's their diet like? How are they exercising? And that I think would, they would be my main values. Yeah. Um, what a beautiful. And, you know, it's uh, obviously the, the exercise is 
based on being able to really connect with your heart because sometimes we're so busy and we think that life goes on forever and we all know that that's not the truth but sometimes it's hard to face that truth that life is going to end one day and having that three years where it's a long enough time to really think about if I had three years to live what would I actually change and it often connects you to the heart versus the head thinking that you need to do more or and sometimes it just makes you maybe stop a little bit and think about the most important things because life is so busy that we sometimes just go on that wheel and we don't stop so that's why that exercise is in there and it's a beautiful exercise I think because if you can just come up with one or two things this is obviously for the listeners if they can come up with one or two things that they might do differently then that would be amazing yeah I think it's really it's such a hard exercise but it's such an important exercise and I think it opens up a lot of, I guess, buried feelings for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah I think it's, I'll probably go away later and yeah. <laughs> expand on that. <laughs> Please do bring it to, you know, do it in your journal. And I often ask myself that question, obviously, because it's one that I live and breathe all the time. But it makes me do some decisions that I probably wouldn't have done if I didn't mm. do it. So for some, for example, for me, it's often about the kids and the family because it's so such a, you know, crazy life in terms of um, the travel. And sometimes when I ask myself that question, you know, I would bring a child with me on my next trip, etc. That's have happened in the past that I just all of a sudden think, you know, if I if I was to die in three years' time, I would rather have a child with me traveling and remembering that trip versus going to school for one more week. So things like that that just yeah. makes a makes a difference. So. Thank you for sharing that. Okay, these are the last few questions. Do you have a particular morning routine to set you up for a productive day? Yeah. um, I'm assuming you exercise. (laughs) I do. But before any of that happens, before I turn on my phone or my laptop, I read somewhere that, or I think it was on a podcast, that starting your day by making your bed is is such a good way to start your day because it's a really positive note to start your day on. And I've always done that. So make my bed the first thing I do instead of just leaving it as a mess like I used to when I was a teenager. And then I get out and I do my 10 minutes of meditation and then I get my journal out and I write down, I do my to-do list for the day and, and anything that's on my mind. And then that's when I get on with work. But I usually exercise first thing in the morning because my days are quite busy that if I leave it till you know, the end of the day, it's often like, oh, I just don't have time or I'm too tired. Sometimes I like finishing at the end of the day on a, by exercising, but I think it's a really good way to start the, the, the day. And sometimes that could be 10 minutes on my mat where I always have my mat rolled out in my living room and I just, you know, put on my favorite music and I'll just have a wiggle. I just let my body do what it wants to do. And I think that's a really positive way to start your day. And then the rest of my day is never the same. It's either in the hospital or in lectures or recording cool podcasts. <laughs> but I love that. I love that no day is the same. Yeah, variety. It's the spice of life, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any other particular rituals to help you live your dream life? I have a very, I guess, what I call like my little zen area in my house where it's like a corner of my living space that I have all of my favorite candles my favorite books my crystals (laughs) my incense and my infuser and I every time I come home in the evening I just like make sure I light all my candles and put on my lovely um diffuser with some essential oils to just help me signal Hazel, you're home now. It's time to relax. One of the things I'm really protective about is my sleep. So I try not to use devices be an hour before I go to bed. 
and I don't read on like a Kindle or anything. I'll read a book in a dim lighting. And it's just those practices that help me be a more calm person. Whereas I think about five years ago, I would have been perfectly okay with staying up until midnight and doing my emails because I thought work didn't wait. And I thought that actually sleeping was for the week. Yeah. <laughs> and that was what I learned at medical school. It was like, you don't sleep, you just drink 10 coffees and you'll be fine. Wow. Now I'm just like, no, I sleep and I'm still getting as much work done, if not more. Yeah. So yeah, that would be my main thing. Like have a nighttime bedtime routine and make it sacred and personal to you. Mm. Love that. Thank you for sharing. What's your favorite Kiki K product, if you have one? <laughs> I always have, well, my leather-bound journal I love, and I have it engraved with my initials, and I got that done in Kiki K. And everyone always asks me where it came from. And I think the purpose of having it personalized to me made it really important. I think it, it put a stamp on it in that it gave it more value for me, personal value, so that I carry it everywhere I go. It's always with me and I love that. But I mean, I love all of the products. I love the inspirational cards, which I have on my desk and I change all the time. And all of my friends come and like swap them around and things because (laughs) it's such a simple thing, but Mm. it's so empowering. And I always buy them as gifts because it's a wonderful gift to give someone either a journal or a wonderful card or even something as simple as a nice pen because Mm. that will encourage them to write. So I think my leather journal and my inspiration cards. Thank you. That's lovely. Thank you so much. So who is a person who truly inspires you and why? I think I have to say my mum. <laughs> she, you know, didn't have an easy life. And despite everything that she's been through, she was an incredible mother and, you know, raised her girls without a dad. <laughs> and even now she's she's wonderful. She went back she actually started working after my dad died so she went back and and trained to be a carer to look after people and she still does that now and she's approaching 60 which she won't mind me saying and she fosters kids so she takes kids in on respite for a couple of months at a time so every time I go home there's always lots of different children in the house and she's just like she's everyone's mother and I'm very proud of her for that oh wow that's beautiful and no doubt she is very proud of you. And I think one of her her biggest achievements is raising you the way you are. Thank you. <laughs> so if you could, but go, but this is your last question. If you could go back to your younger self, say when you were around 16, what advice would you give yourself knowing what you know now? Is hindsight a wonderful thing? <laughs> I think I would go back and hold my hands and say, you are enough and that you can do it because my when I was 16 that was the hardest year of my life so that I I really grieved that year for my dad and lost all my love for life but I, I you know I just didn't think that there was much purpose in life then after that and I feel like if I went back now I would show myself everything that's possible in life and that even when really bad things happen you know good things come of it and you do get over it mm. yeah That's a beautiful advice. (laughs) Is there anything you wanted to end our podcast with in terms of what our listeners could take away with? I mean, there's so much here in this whole hour. (laughs) I know. I think, like I said earlier, my my final words would be that that failure isn't final. Mm -hmm. And 
don't ever think that you are a failure or that because something hasn't gone your way that it's not the right thing for you and there's always ways and means mm. so stick to your dreams yeah. <laughs> beautiful said and thank you so much first for your time here I know you're incredibly busy so I truly appreciate no your time and also it. what you do to the world I think is amazing and I'm super inspired after this talk but also really excited to see what you take food medic and i have no doubt that you will make all your dreams come true and we're going to be sharing on the side and and whatever we can do to help you obviously we will so thank you so much thank you wow i am so inspired after that conversation she is just incredible Hearing Hazel's ideas on food, lifestyle, and how she is changing the way the world approaches wellness and medicine is just so amazing. I really hope you enjoyed hearing her story as much as I did. I find it truly inspiring how even though she thought she would always end up following in her father's footsteps, she discovered a new passion for medicine after his passing and chose to pursue that. The way she had paid her own way to follow her dreams of educating the world is just so inspiring. If you haven't visited the Food Medic website before, make sure you do. Check our show notes for more information. Hazel is a perfect example of how you can choose to follow any dream you have, even if it means completely changing direction. And as she says, failure isn't final. I truly believe that you can't let obstacles hold you back from achieving your dreams. And you'll find chapters in my book around how you can work through possible barriers and solutions when creating your dream life, along with many other chapters on supports you can put in place and the amazing power of discovering and following your passions. I hope this episode has left you feeling inspired to follow your dreams and start working on your own dream life. If you haven't got a copy yet, I encourage you to get hold of my book, Your Dream Life Starts Here, and the Dream Life Journal that I have created to go with it. It's a great starting point if you want guidance on your journey of uncovering and chasing your dreams. Another great place to start is to check out my 101 Dreams audio guide at kiki-k.com forward slash dream life. And don't forget, with the festive season in full swing, no matter what your dream Christmas looks like, You'll find everything you need to embrace this medical season in store and online at kikik.com. If you loved the episode and found it useful, be sure to subscribe and also leave us a review telling us what you thought. And please help us spread this inspiring message to even more people by posting about it on social media with the hashtag 101 million dreamers. I would really appreciate your support with my big crazy dream to inspire 101 million people to write down three dreams on paper and go and chase them. Until next time, don't forget to dream big and chase your dreams.